Good evening. Welcome. Reverend Ray here with another edition of the Orion Report. What is Orion? What is Orionism, you may ask? Well, a simple Google search will reveal the answer. Maybe a little bit stilted, wasn't written by Orions, but you can easily find out the basic information. You can also get the book, the IA, our sacred text, online at lulu.com. It's at cost, only the cost of printing and shipping. No profit for us. So before I get started, I'll let you know I'm going to change the format tonight, speak a little more extemporaneously. I will be referring to notes to try to keep me on track, but I won't be reading a canned script like I did on the first episode. Um, but before I do that, I would like to do a prayer. So if you're so inclined, please put your hands together, bow your head, and join me in a prayer to God Most High. Eternal Sovereign Spirit, Ruler of Infinite Infinities, the Supreme I Am that I Am, all present and personal, we lift our hearts and minds to you in hope, faith, and love, seeking your guidance, your wisdom, and your direct interaction within ourselves and within this world we dwell in. In Emmanuel, God with us, we seek your assistance and counsel, not for ourselves alone, but for all who are struggling up the holy mountain, all who are engaged in the striving against powers, princes, authorities, and dominions of evil in lofty places, and in within themselves. Guide us, the true parent, the source of spirit and truth, and of consciousness itself, into true freedom, true liberation, along the path of the immortal sons and daughters of the Most High. Amen and Amen. Next, I will read an excerpt from the IA, our holy text. As a woman in the throes of labor, the earth screams in agony. All creation trembles as a clenched fist, as a babe imprisoned within her mother's womb, struggling to come forth. Gnashing of teeth and weeping, nature weeps, spirits rage within the fleshly prisons of those who walk in the ways of destruction. So, tonight our topic of discussion will be, let's call it the blurring of the lines and the uh, ultimate goal. So, what do we mean when we talk about the blurring of the lines? Um, this is a multifaceted subject. I'm not going to touch on every aspect of it because I don't have time here. But suffice to say, this agenda has been going on for a long time. It's the attack on the nuclear family, the attack on our culture, the attack on our constitution, the attack on our sexuality, all that's been going on for quite some time now, 50, 60, 70 years, maybe even longer than that. Um, one of the big things that everybody is faced with right now is the blurring of the gender roles. Some of the things I'd like to talk about are things like um, pronouns. I'm sure a lot of you have come in contact with the phenomenon of pronouns. What is a pronoun? Well, it's a, it's a word that refers to a person like him, her, she, he, it. However, there's a movement out there to create and normalize a great many 
of gender descriptions. Um, to quote an article from the New York Post, we have to call people him and her even if we believe that people's genders are determined by their biological sex and not by their self-perceptions. Perceptions that, by the way, can rapidly change for those who are gender fluid. Yes, very difficult to keep up with somebody whose gender keeps changing, especially when the list grows longer and longer every day. And um, this next excerpt is from the FIU College of Law in Miami, Florida. And it says that the NYCHRL, which is the New York City Human Rights Law, requires employers to use an individual's preferred name, pronoun, and title regardless of the individual's sex assigned at birth, anatomy, gender, medical history, appearance, or sex indicated on the individual's identification. Some transgender and gender, gender non-conforming people prefer to use pronouns other than he, him, his, or she, her, hers, such as they, them, theirs, or they, here. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, if somebody referred to themselves as they, or what we used to call the royal we, we thought of them as a little bit odd, a little bit arrogant, perhaps even a little bit mentally ill. Next thing, on July 12, 2021, a federal judge in Indiana ruled against a former teacher who alleged that his employer, a local high school, discriminated against him when it requested his resignation after teachers, the teacher continuously refused to call transgender students by their chosen names and pronouns. When this went to court, the federal judge held that the teacher's religious opposition to transgenderism was directly at odds with the school's policy of respect for transgender students. Now, personally, I would say that the school's policy respects the constitutional right of the students, the right of free speech, while denying the constitutional rights of the teacher. As right of free speech for the teacher as well as the constitutional right of freedom of religion and this to me is clearly a case of someone trying to use two wrongs to make a right that I'd like to read you the actual wording of the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now as we've seen the government likes to redefine things like redefine what qualifies as a peaceful assembly as we saw in the riots of 2020. Oh these were mostly peaceful protests they say and yet online and on TV all we saw were images of buildings burning businesses being looted, people being beat up, Molotov cocktails flying, and these were defined by the media and the government as peaceful protests, while the January 6th incident was defined without Molotov cocktails, without rioting and looting, it was defined in another way. Let's not go into that as I don't want to put any keywords in to tag this for the investigators. It's clear that there are two forms of law in this country. One for the elite, one for the left, one for the right, and one for the people. 
I'll let you figure out who's on what side. The next thing about these blurring of lines is the decriminalization process that's been going on. Here in Oregon, they have decriminalized all drugs. And we're talking all the way up to cocaine and heroin. I'm sure that they have the best ideals in place here. They wish to reduce the amount of crime involved in drugs. But research shows that the legalization of these drugs has not it has not reduced the black market demand for these drugs, nor the black market activity for these drugs. It hasn't reduced crime a bit. As a matter of fact, what has happened in the states that have legalized marijuana is an upsurge in not only marijuana use, but in all other drug use as well. So it doesn't seem to be making the problem better. All it did was ease up the strain on the courts as far as prosecuting these, now what they call non-offenses. Now the dictionary defines decriminalization as the action or process of ceasing to treat something as illegal or as a criminal offense. And we're seeing this in the so-called smash and grab thing that's going on. It's really looting, but you get in a lot of trouble if you call it looting. You're supposed to call it smash and grab. And it's not considered an offense. The police won't even show up if you call them on it. Many other things are being decriminalized. Theft, um, assault, sometimes you don't even get arrested. Like the guy who set fire to the tree outside of uh, Fox's uh, offices. He could have killed people. And he caused hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage and yet he was set free. Well, we all know about that. Okay, the next point I'd like to talk about in the blurring of the lines is uh, pornography in schools. I'm sure some of you have heard about this story. It's a quite a horrific story to me because I used to be a teacher and both my parents were teachers. So to hear about this going on and, and seeing that the school board is allowing this is, uh, well, it's quite horrific to me. I looked into this issue and I, I pulled a few things out. I encourage you to go look into it yourself. Don't take my word for anything. But in Virginia, there was a big to-do about this. Uh, Fulton County School District had a book called Lawn Boy and another book called Gender Queer that appeared in the catalog of seven high schools within their district. And parents found out about these and objected, and they were pulled. But upon the receipt of a formal, formal complaint, the uh, FCPS, which is the Fulton County Public Schools, formed two committees of school administrators, li librarians, parents, and students. That's what they say. Okay, and they were uh, put. They came together to determine whether these books were suitable as alternative. Um, materials for students and um, both books were temporarily pulled and uh, this is their conclusion the FCPS assistant superintendent for instructional services Noel Klimenko accepted the committee's recommendation which said both books have value beyond their pages for students who may struggle to find relatable stories 
Interesting. Relatable stories. Now you may not know that, but those books contained sexual depictions. Lawn Boy itself contained depictions of sex between an adult and a child. Now, according to Virginia law, the legality of the scene materials is this. It is unlawful for any person knowingly to exhibit, publish, print, or circulate any obscene item or performance where such obscene items, exhibition, or performance may be obtained, seen, and or heard by minor children. That's all you need to say. It's clearly illegal. And yet the, uh, the school board decided that it had value, that it presented an, an alternative view for those that are struggling to relate in this world. You know, when I was in school, I read extensively. I didn't read a single book in school about sex, about pedophilia, about homosexuality. I found books that I could relate to, not through sex, not through gender crisis or identity, but just simply through life. And I challenge you, Go look at these books. Do they really present an alternative view that those who have gender issues can identify with? Or are they merely promoting the idea of sex that we find repulsive and disgusting and improper? Are they truly presenting something that these children can relate to? Or are they presenting sex? I challenge those authors to produce something without sex, without gender, that these students could re relate to. Items like what I had in school. There was nothing about sex with a woman in the material that I read when I was in school. There was so Nobody was pro promoting cisgendered when I was in school. Why do they have to promote this? Because they want to promote that issue. It's not about providing materials that are relatable to these children. It's about promoting the agenda and the agenda is to blur the lines so that eventually everything is acceptable everything becomes normalized when you do that then we're on the road to the next point in the talking which is the ultimate goal and the ultimate goal is well at this point as far as I can see it is the great reset if you take into account COVID the uh, bipartisan political parties that we have, the issues of racism that are rampant in the country, which by the way are created issues, not real issues, and the issues of um, transgender, the LGBTQ agenda, all of these things are mere distractions. They're things that are done for the purpose of keeping you from seeing the real thing happening. There's things happening all over the world right now. Russia's about to invade the Ukraine. Britain has gotten rid of all of its mandates. Australia has doubled down and become a totally locked down totalitarian state. Millions across the planet are marching today as I'm recording in protest of these mandates, but you will not see them on the media. You will not see these stories. All you'll see is from the right you see left is bad, left is bad. From the left you see right is bad, right is bad. Trump, Trump, Trump. COVID, COVID, COVID. But you don't see what's really going on. And I'll tell you what's really going on. 
is the Great Reset. The powers that be, the elites, which in this case represent what in the past would be called the aristocracy, which are now the corporate people, such as uh, Zuckerberg, and what's that other guy, uh, George Soros, um, even Elon Musk, who's different than them, but he's still within their category. These are the elite of our day. These are the aristocrats. These are the kings and queens and dukes and, and duchesses and barons and baronesses. These are the ones that rule. These are the ones that control food supply. Okay. Now, in the Great Reset, now there's a lot of people out there talking about how, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory based on uh, misinterpretation of the agenda at the last meeting. Well, I'll tell you what. It's not a conspiracy theory. Okay? Because that organization controls food supply around the world. And they want to create boards from themselves, based on themselves, that will have the purpose of governing themselves, of writing the regulations for them. And in this great reset, in this agenda, governments take a second seat. They become just another member on the board of directors. The board of directors being the various different corporations that are going to run the world. And there's precedent for this in our literature and in our movies. I will just, okay, I'll talk about 1984, okay? I'll talk about the original movie Rollerball. In those you can see examples of this. When the corporations run the world, they control everything. And they are the aristocracy. And don't tell me you think that the corporations have your best interest at heart. Because they don't. All I have to refer you to is how long did it take from the moment people realized that asbestos caused cancer to the point to where asbestos was removed from our industries. Why do we have so many lawsuits out there right now about mesothelioma? Because the corporations didn't care. All right. So the corporations don't care about you. What they care about is control. And when they control the food supply, you know what they can do? Oh, New Zealand is not complying with what we decide is best for them. They're not complying with our decision on how they should live their life. Therefore, we're going to divert the food supply. We're going to divert gasoline. We're going to divert medical services. We're going to let them suffer until they comply and come into line. This is the, the agenda is about creating a new type and a new version or a new um, incarnation, if you have it, of feudalism. I'm not talking about communism. I'm not talking about fascism. This is not about nationalism and militaristic ideals. This is about feudalism. It's about peasants here aristocracy here. And when we become the peasants to this new feudalism, we become chattel. We become things that are owned. And things that are owned have no rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, let alone all the other rights guaranteed by the Constitution. That is the Great Reset, according to my perceptions at this point. I've ordered the book by Glenn Beck, The Great Reset, and I intend to to read it and um, perhaps come back on another episode with a little bit more um, in-depth analysis of this. Lastly, yes, this is the last point, the uh, singularity. Okay, what is the singularity?
a lot of people talk about the singularity coming and how it requires transhumanism in order to happen. Transhumanism being basically the combination of machines and man. Well, first let me define the singularity. The singularity, by their definition, is a point in time where the technology advances so rapidly that one generation can't really identify with the next generation because the next generation has no idea what life is like without the technology that they grew up with. For example, I mean I could give you many examples like steam power, radio, television, uh, VCRs, computers themselves, but let's just go with smartphones. The people who were born from 2000 on, maybe even 1995, smartphone has been such a part of their life that they can't imagine dealing with life without the smartphone. They have no idea what a rotary phone is or how to use it. They have no idea of how they would live if there were no phones, let alone no smartphones. The smartphone itself, you have access to the internet and you have access to social media and you have access to phone systems. They can't imagine that. The generation before them fully understands what it's like to live without it, okay? These two generations have a trouble identifying with each other. That point where the smartphone came in and changed the environment we call a singularity. The next singularity that they're talking about is the, probably the greatest in human history where they're anticipating the mixture of machines and man and this includes the advent of AI or artificial intelligence. What they're postulating is that if artificial intelligence grows to a certain point it becomes capable of self-reflection and self-improvement. Once it becomes capable of self-improvement and starts to improve itself it's a very short time before that improvement becomes so exponentially fast and great that it far outstrips humanity. Now they all say that there there is a theoretical limit to how far this can go based on the laws of physics. But as we've seen, the laws of physics are not easily understood and sometimes seem to be violated. Maybe we haven't figured them all out, I'm not sure. But once that happens, people worry. We might have the Terminator on our hands. Machines that realize that humans are the problem and it's time to wipe them out. But those who, who are proponents of this believe that by combining humans with the machines, humans with AI, what you have is an even greater thing than just the AI by itself. Back in the 90s, the, the AI became intelligent enough to where no human chess master could beat the computer at a game of chess. But they found out if you combine the, the human and the machine, the machine basically using its abilities to determine all the possible outcomes and moves and the human making the value judgment and evaluating the other human, then that team became capable of beating any machine by itself and any human by itself. So this is kind of where they're coming from where they want this transhumanism thing. The trouble with transhumanism is you, you have to have this gender blurring, this great blurring of the lines so that you can plug anybody into a system where they can become anything they want so that they can all mix together. We saw the beginnings of this in earlier video games when um, you were given the choice of playing a male or a female character 
That's the first step in it, and it got even worse and worse with um, other uh, online multiplayer games. So, when they plug us into the singularity, though, the the problem with that is that the corporate entities that are working towards this great reset, they don't like religion, spirituality, and they're trying to program it out of us. They're trying to program morality out of us. And we get plugged into the singularity, we get plugged into a downward process, not an upward process. We as Uriens believe that the progress should be up, a vertical movement, that all of our efforts and our uh, expectations and our desires and dreams and ideals should point upward towards God and toward becoming a better race, a more ascendant, transcendent race, not a more machine-like, demonic, conscienceless race. And that's what's happening is the death of conscience. All of these things tie together. All of these things are happening and yet they are diverting us from paying attention to them with the agenda of the COVID. Now if you look at the numbers, and I've done the numbers before, I never, I used all areas of the United States. In the first wave of the pandemic, the most deadly form of the virus, never in any region of the, of the uh, planet or in the planet as a whole was I able to crunch the numbers and come up with anything more than a 2% death rate. And this is, an, this is a, a, a misleading number because it doesn't count those that were completely asymptomatic and never got tested the actual death rate is far lower. It's a sham. It has always been a sham. The mass mandates, I found information on the CDC website when the mass mandates first started in March of 2020. It said, it was a pooled analysis, from 1947 to 2018, masks don't work. They are ineffective in curtailing the spread of viral agents. And yet, Three months later, as they're doubling down on these masks, as they're starting to push the vaccine, that pool analysis disappeared off the CDC website, as have many other documents. People who are doing their own studies to determine and have determined that masks don't work are being blacklisted, they're being banned from social media, they're being discredited in their professionalism. The whole agenda is not about COVID. The whole thing about masks is not about preventing the spread of COVID. It's about informing, enforcing conformity. It's about dehumanization. It's about removal of your identity. The whole thing is about removal of your identity because once your identity is removed, they can put a new one in place, a new one that accepts transgenderism, that accepts the LGBTQ agenda, that accepts the whole global corporate agenda of the Great Reset. They can force you to accept communism. They can force you to accept pedophilia. All, they, can force, infor, they can force you to accept anything that's unnatural by your own standards once they take away your identity and give you a new one. And that's what the masks are for. In Oregon, the governor's talking about making the mask mandate a permanent thing. Why? to enforce control, to enforce the depersonalization of humanity. I won't talk about the massive psychological harm that it's been doing to our children for the last two years. 
I'll leave that for you to research. But I have been talking about it in my own private circles. I am unvaccinated and I will stay unvaccinated. I will not accept the mark. Okay, I'm starting to get a little bit rambly and get a little bit beyond myself. So what I will do now, I'm going to leave you with this final statement from Spirit. And these things are hard to do and hard to remember, so I had to write it down. So bear with me, I'm going to read it. Okay? Okay. Statement from Spirit of the Faith, the Spirit of Uranism. Love, peace, and caring is the highest religion. It is the will of the highest luminaries. But when earthlings hear this, they turn divine love into an excuse for every abomination and vileness. They turn peace into an excuse for tolerance and surrender into lawlessness, degeneracy, and tyranny. They turn caring into acceptance of every bizarre expression and low ideal. You can love your enemy, but they are still your enemy. And in love for God, humanity, the earth, and for the future of the planet and its life forms, you must oppose evil, which is degeneracy into the animal demonic, and you must resist the anti-God, anti-life, anti-Christ spirit, even unto death, which is to say, even unto eternal life. For death exists only for those who lack the sincere wisdom of faith, hope, and love. Divine laws, moral principles, and ethical precepts were given unto humankind, by the archangels. For men and women could not live within the highest religion or highest divine law. And by these angelic ideologies, by self-discipline and the conception of eternity, humans might strive and rise toward a more perfect state, an ascendant path in the due course of time. Every ideology, worldview, way of life is an entity. We'll talk about that more later. Whether an idolatrous and vain spirit, demonic, or a transcendent and sacred spirit, angelic, or some elemental and natural thing, fey. The spirit is known by its direction and focus, whether horizontal, that is to say materialistic and bestial, temporal and carnal, or whether it is vertical, that is to say a vision that elevates the eyes and the ambitions toward the divine and eternal, the epic and the majestic, a spiritual ideal. The law of nature is survival through adaptation, absolute pragmatism, without compassion or hate, and has no conscience at all, but wills only to be and procreate, existing for sensation alone. The law of the animal demonic is unnatural, elevating all that is debased and degenerate, reveling in excess, meanness, hatred and divisiveness, chaos and oppression, a lowness of the spirit, and a vitriolic despotism of the mind. Sound familiar? The expression of the divine, at our level of being, is discerned within the essence, the spirit of the one and most high, for it is a mindset of union, transcendent aspiration, the call to immortality, the yearning to lift humanity and the planet, the nations, into the light and the good, beyond mere matter and meat. The union of heaven and earth is a path of pragmatic idealism and a sober faith vision also known as divine wisdom. It cannot be achieved but by the flame of righteous passion and the light of sacred truth. 
The children of the Most High must put aside their petty points of contention, stop straining at gnats and swallowing camels, and unite in a common cause and vision around the essential truths they hold in common. Lastly, the Spirit declares, Let the faithful of the one God begin to flee the cities, seeking shelter in the isolated places, and there work to unite, as was written in Acts chapter 2 and 4. You must network among yourselves within your faith communities and take refuge from the rising oppression and chaos that is the antichrist anti-god workings of the spirit of rebellion his fallen comrades are among us wearing human masks and the children of the un are growing in number and vileness every hour that's the word from spirit for today now i would like to make a note um, Let's see, where is it here? I have it on my notes. There was a there was a point. Doesn't look like I can find it. So I'll just talk about it in general. There was a a rally, a pro-life rally where the anti-life people, you know, the pro-choice people showed up. And instead of uniting in common cause of pro-life versus pro-choice, the pro-life people, the, the evangelical Christians, decided to gang up on the Catholics and start fighting with them about being idolaters. You guys have things in common. You both believe in Jesus Christ. You both believe in God. You both believe in angels. You both believe that abortion is wrong. Put aside your petty differences and unite. Only then will you be effective. If you allow the spirit of divisiveness to separate you like that, you lose the battle. And quite frankly, we can lose the battle. So that's it for tonight's podcast. I wish you peace. I wish you luck. I wish you joy and happiness. May you find that in this world, or better yet, may you find that in the world to come. God bless you.